I mentioned it before, I don't know if it's me or just something happening, but there just seems to be more and more of a, just a wonderful presence of God in worship, sweet presence, and uh, I'm so grateful for the team that leads us in that. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. Emily Abbott is here visiting. Yay, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Do you want to say anything? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence, as we've already experienced. And we just acknowledge that the kingdom of God is here. The rule, the authority, the presence, the power of God is in this place. Because Jesus is here. Have your way in us. Amen. 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 My uh, daughter-in-love from Denver let me know this week that I preached for 50 minutes last week. (laughs) She listens online and it comes up with the time. And I made the mistake of sharing that with the other elders. And so all week I got all these comments. Somebody had said uh, that they read about a pastor who was really excited about the World Cup happening because he thought it was good to see other people try and make three points in 90 minutes. (laughs) And then one of the elders wrote, don't give him any ideas, 90 minutes. I fall asleep after 45. And then someone else said that there's a fine line between a sermon that goes too long and a hostage situation. (laughs) So I'm going to make every effort to keep it under an hour today. (laughs) No, seriously, I, I was listening to someone this week and they were talking about what is the coal face? Uh, And that expression comes from, obviously, you know, coal mining in the U.S. And their point was that coal mining has a lot of parts. There's the mining, there's the moving the ore, refining the ore, transporting the coal, accounting, and everything else. And he said, everything except extracting ore is secondary. He said, accounting is not the main point of a coal mine. It's a part of it, but it's not the main point. It got me thinking, what's the coal face for us? What's the main point? There's a lot of stuff we do that helps fulfill the purpose But what's the main purpose? What's our main goal, our assignment, our mandate, our commission? And as I thought about that, I thought of two things. It's actually one, but the second one leads up to it. But the first one was that our mandate is to know, love, worship, and glorify Jesus. He's our focus. That's our, one of the main things we do And there's a whole lot that flows from that as we know him in every area of our lives. 
as we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, as our emotions are healed, as our marriages are aligned with him, as our relationships come into line, all that flows into so many areas of our life, and they're fantastic as we allow the centrality of Jesus to affect us. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, draw the glory of God. Everything. Too often we think, oh, that's just eating and drinking. No, it's everything. The glory of Jesus, his presence permeated every area of our life. And that's wonderful. But there's another part of that which really comes down to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Mark chapter uh, 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now there's a lot of things associated with the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom being the rulership of God. There's helping the poor. Setting captives free. There's impacting society or government. But all those are secondary to the gospel of the kingdom. We can help all the poor, and if we don't preach the gospel, we're just making their trip to hell comfortable. Okay. Everyone take a deep breath. Why am I saying that? Because we just have to remember... What's the main goal? Knowing Jesus and making him known. There's a lot of other sub-goals, but we have to be careful that they don't become the main goal. Jesus is what transforms lives. Someone said to me a couple weeks ago they were afraid that our government was moving toward communism happening many places around the world, and I didn't disagree. What's the solution? Shall we argue for a different type of government? No, the solution is preach the gospel. It changes hearts. And so we have to remember, hey, what's the goal? We can't get so distracted that we become focused on trying to transform society without changing hearts. How do we transform society? Do we impose different laws? No, we change hearts through the gospel. You still with me? Okay, that was totally aside of what I wanted to preach today, but it just got me thinking. Even as we talk about this, we've been talking from Luke chapter 9, from verse 1, and he called his 12 disciples together. He called his disciples together. He called his church together who are disciples of Jesus and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. We've been talking about those three parts together. The gospel of the kingdom, healing, and deliverance. 
And in light of that, last week, I preached on the kingdom authority. All authority is in Jesus. Today, I want to talk about kingdom power. Goes with that. Now, there are about a thousand scriptures we could read. Because I preached for 50 minutes last week, I won't do that. We'll just read about a hundred of them. So starting in Luke, chapter 4. I want to read a number of, of scriptures from verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him. He's talking about a, uh, a guy with a demon saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. The report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's uh, wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. And he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on them, and they were healed. And demons who came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went to a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. And he said to them, I must preach the gospel, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities, because for this purpose I've been sent. Sound familiar? Chapter 5, from verse 13. Then he put out his hand and touched him. This is a, a guy who has leprosy. He said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged them to tell no one. Uh, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, uh, as was the law of Moses had commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitude came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That scripture sounds like it's out of place. All these people came to him, but he often withdrew to pray. Well, I'll tell you why in a little bit. Verse 15, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by uh, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Over chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Sorry, just 19. And... One more, chapter 8, one more in Luke, from verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, 
came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throngs impress you. And you say, who touched me? He said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. The woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Just over in Mark, chapter 6, and verse 56. Whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that, that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Chapter 16. Verse seven, uh, sorry, chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. I'm going to jump to the end of 18. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. These are just a few. I actually spent the last couple of weeks, I went through all the Gospels and looked at every place where somebody was delivered or healed. And I found something interesting. And what I found was this. Jesus rebukes or speaks to demons, but I couldn't find any place where he lays hands on someone who is demonized. And while sometimes he rebukes sickness, almost always he lays hands or touches those he heals. We read in Luke where he rebuked the fever that was on Peter's mother's uh, wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law. If you read that in, a, in another gospel, he actually takes her by the hand. There's a number of scriptures that talk about power flows out to heal. Now, I want to just throw some thoughts because I'm not by any means an expert. I just want to know what God's doing and believe the Bible. And what I can conclude is this, that deliverance seems to be about authority and not power. But healing tends to be something of the power of God touching people. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't lay hands on people who are demonized. He rebukes a demon. It's an issue of authority. But there's something of touching people that releases the flow of the power of God. 
people came just to touch the hem of his garment because the power flowed out of him to heal them. It seems like all authority is in Jesus and power was in him when he was on the earth. But when he left and he sent the Holy Spirit, seems like power is now in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Authority is still in Jesus, but power is in the Spirit. wonder why the enemy has done so much to get us to remove the filling of the Holy Spirit from the church and creates a powerless church. Still with me? Now here where my thoughts might get a little bit different. So you just have to give me a little bit of leeway here. Seems like the power seems to be something akin to electricity. Now, saying that, it's not electricity. I know that. But it seems to have sim similar similarities. Like electricity, it tends to flow. Like electricity, there seems to be a point of contact that releases something. The woman believed that if she could touch Jesus' garment, she'd be healed. She had faith, but it was the actual touching, touching Jesus, that the power flowed. Jesus says to her afterwards, daughter, your faith has made you well. It wasn't, the power wasn't in faith. The power was in Jesus. Faith was what took her to the point of touching him. The fullness of God dwells in Christ. Everything that God is, when we touch Jesus, all the benefits of God, all the power of God can be released. Isn't that amazing? It seems, from my reading of the scripture, that that power, like electricity, seems to ebb and flow. Now, what does that mean? Let me read you a couple of scriptures, and then I'll try and explain what I mean by that or what I've seen by that. Acts chapter 4. Wonderful story of them facing persecution. Isn't that a wonderful story? And the response is acknowledging the greatness of God, and then they pray for boldness. And they say from verse 30, uh, verse 29, Lord, look on their threats, grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. What's our mandate? Preach the gospel. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was get, together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
They had just been filled with the Holy Spirit two chapters before. Have you ever thought of that? I kind of went, well, didn't, did it, did, maybe it didn't take the first time. Or is there filling and filling? All the people come to Jesus, and what does he do? He goes away to pray and get filled. Oh, 2 Timothy 1.6. Stir up the gift of God that is in you through laying on my hands. That is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. There's something of us stirring up the Holy Spirit within us. There is something of us connecting with Jesus and seeing the power of God released through us. And it seems like that that can ebb and flow a little bit. Historically, there has been seasons of outpouring of God's power. Did the people have more holiness, more faith, more something? Or was it just a season of the power of God being poured out in a greater dimension? You've all read stories or heard places where the power of God, we call it the anointing, was so evident that people walking by would be struck down by the the power of God. Seems like it can ebb and flow a little bit. As I said when we started this series, it's hard to take a big subject and cut it into little pieces. And especially when the pieces get too big to chew on in one week, I need to make them smaller. But my desire is to see an increase in the flow of the power of God with healings and deliverance. Deliverance isn't to me isn't a flow of the power of God, it's, it's a flow of the authority, which we have when we're in Jesus. But there's something of us connecting with him and his presence and seeing his power released through us. It's tied in with the gospel. Let's never think that we can remove it from that. Jesus didn't come to heal all the sick people. He came to restore us to relationship with God, to remove our sin. Healing and deliverance is a confirmation of the gospel. The mandate is go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs will follow. When we take those away from the gospel, we miss something. We're not called to preach the gospel of healing or the gospel of deliverance. You're not called to preach the gospel of Redemption Hills Church or even City Mission. If you work for City Mission, you're called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus is the king. One name holds weight above them all. One name has all authority. One name releases power. One name is the the one who's the, the very benefits of God come on our behalf. It's not a church. 
It's not an organization. It's a person, Jesus. I'm getting stirred up. Jesus, as I shared last week, Jesus is the authority. As we connect to him, Jesus is the power. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. All those things. Why do we focus on Jesus and worship Jesus and preach about Jesus? Because everything comes through him. He gives us his spirit. So, even while we're in the process of doing this, I struggled. I don't want to wait till we get to the end before we pray for the sick. I think we're going to see an increasing level of our understanding how to work with the Holy Spirit. We're going to see some of the things that hinder us. But I really struggle with saying, okay, let's wait for three or four weeks before we actually pray for people who are sick. While that fits my plan model a little bit better, it doesn't help people who are sick, does it? <laughs> Sorry, just come back later. I actually heard of uh, Charles Finney who would preach the gospel and he would explain to people and he was in a city in New York and preaching the gospel over a number of nights and a guy came to the front, literally fell at Finney's feet and grabbed his, his pant leg and said, what must I do to be saved? And Charles Finney said, go sit down. You don't know enough yet. We probably wouldn't do that. But what happened? After a couple days of sharing the whole story, the Holy Spirit began to move with conviction on people. And he shut the meeting down and said, go home and deal with God. And the writer said that you could hear as people walked into their house, they would fall on their face wailing under conviction and radical salvation and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why am I saying that? Because I think we're going to see more and more of the power of God, but I don't want to wait there. I think sometimes we have a wrong concept of connecting with Jesus. If Jesus is the source and there's a point of contact, some people I think, because I was like this, we kind of think of the power of God as kind of like static electricity, kind of in the atmosphere somewhere. We, when we lived in Denver, they're known for these electrical storms, and there'd be literally thousands of lightning strikes. And so too often we have this idea of the power of God out there, and, and every once in a while there's a discharge. <laughs> lightning strike. And, and maybe if I'm in the right place at the right time, that, that lightning strike will touch me. Not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense, and I'll get healed. And some of us think that there is something of this general atmosphere, but the reality is the powers in God. We'll talk about this next week because I'm preaching short this week.
to make up for last week. God reveals himself as a healer. He's still a healer. So I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. You are shocked that I could actually be finished. Shocked? Shocked? <laughs> it is just a lightning strike. It won't happen all the time. There's something about touching Jesus, contact with him, that releases his power. He is still the powerful one. He is still the healer. I just thought it would be criminal, almost, to talk about that and then not have an opportunity to pray for those who are sick. So if you're sick and you would like a touch from God and there's something of that connection, that encouragement, that touching of power, I'm going to just invite you to come to the front. I learned a few weeks ago that we're not going to do the, uh, the music in the background, though Tim will play very quietly because it's overpowering when people try and pray in the front with the speakers here. So if you need a touch from God, I'm going to ask you if you can. Just come to the front. If you can stand here, great. If you can't and you need to sit, please do that. But uh, maybe you've been prayed for in the past. That's okay. Maybe whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an ongoing thing. It can be something that maybe you just woke up this morning and you're fighting with something. God can touch you. So we're just going to take a few moments and pray and release the power of God. And there's something of his presence. So I'm gonna ask some of you to come. Just, there's two here. Are you praying or are you uh, just helping? Yeah, okay. I, I'm gonna ask a couple of you, just come, come and pray. Just gather around, okay? The rest of us, we're part of this as well. So let's just release something of the power of God. These guys will lay hands on. We don't all have to. But there's something of the power of God being released in healing. So just take a few moments. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. You know the great thing about this? That partnering with Jesus isn't dependent on how much authority you have because the authority is in Him. It's not even dependent on how much power you have because the power is in the Spirit. Too often we think, oh, I don't have enough authority. We're going to see as we go along, we often have read certain scriptures wrong. We think there's certain demons that have more power than others. But the issue isn't power, it's authority. And so we get afraid. Or we're afraid for our reputation. I want to pray for people and I want every person I pray for to be healed. I think God has a plan for everything. But sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes a consistent releasing of the power of God. It takes a hearing His voice, knowing how to pray, knowing what we're praying for. Sometimes it takes a recognizing how to connect and release that power. But that's God's plan for every one of us. As we declare the gospel, He confirms with signs and wonders.